Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. If you hear something that you like, follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen or HH Talk Radio or even tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Connect with us. We love hearing from you. Today we are talking about a subject that might sound like an oxymoron, and that is the good divorce. Many of us, in fact, at least half of us out in the married world, will experience uh, divorce at some point in our lives. And many of us equate uh, divorce with something that's ugly, rough, difficult, a financial drain, a stressor on the family and the children. And all of that is true, but perhaps there is another and better way. Dr. Carol McBride is one of the leading authorities on the topic of narcissism. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist in Denver, Colorado, with 34 years of public and private practice. She specializes in treating couples, families, children, and individuals with dysfunctional family issues, as well as trauma and divorce. For the past 20 years plus, Dr. McBride has been researching narcissism in intimate relationships and is the author of Will I Ever Be Good Enough? Healing the Daughters of Narcissistic Mothers. She also provides forensic consulting and has testified as an expert witness in more than 80 six trials. Dr. McBride's work has been featured in numerous magazines, newspapers, websites, radio shows, and television, including The Dr. Phil Show, HLN, L, Clio, 
and McLean's. She is a contributing blogger for Online Psychology Today, and you can also find Dr. McBride's work on the Huffington Post. Um, Good morning, Dr. McBride, and welcome. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Oh, I am delighted to have you here. First of all, because I, I'm 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 intrigued by what really constitutes a good divorce, but more importantly, I am the recovering ex-wife of a husband narcissist. If that makes sense, <laughs> a husband, <laughs> a husband. I was married. I had a husband who was a big narcissist, and I'm I'm still my head's still spinning. Yes, it's very interesting. The the new book. Uh, that was just released, Will I Ever Be Free of You? How to Navigate a High-Conflict Divorce from a Narcissist and Heal Your Family is um, really not just a book about, you know, how horrendous these kind of divorces are with narcissists, but there's a lot in the book about how to heal and how to bring back your authentic self and how to help your wounded children. Well, let's just jump in. Let's give the uh, quick cliff note, abbreviated classic definition of narcissism. Yes. If we look at the diagnostic manual, what we call the DSM, um, they list nine kind of classic traits of a full-blown narcissistic personality disorder. Um, But I want to talk about it as a spectrum disorder, but let me just give you the quick nine traits. Um, one, has a grandiose sense of self-importance. Two, is preoccupied, uh, preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, beauty, brilliance, or ideal love. Three, believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by others who are special or unique. Three or four, requires excessive admiration, has a sense of entitlement, is interpersonally exploitative, lacks empathy, which is the biggest one, is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her, and finally shows arrogance, haughty behaviors, or attitudes. Whoa, eight out of nine, eight out of nine. (laughs) (laughs) Now that is, you know, that is what I, what is, the definition of a narcissistic personality disorder. But what I think is really important, Lisa, is to understand narcissism as a spectrum disorder, um, which means that if you, if you look at a continuum, you know, just imagine a, a line, a long line, on one end of that line, the low end, we all have some narcissistic traits, you know, that are just a, a matter of good self-esteem. And then on the far opposite end is the narcissistic personality disorder. But along that continuum, you know, the more traits someone has along that continuum, the more problems they're going to have in their intimate relationships with their partners or their children. Indeed. And that has been the experience over um, at this end. Uh, let's talk about, you, you said something very powerful about healing the woundedness in oneself and in the children when there are these high conflict, uh, narcissistic based divorces. Talk a little bit about that. Well, one of the things that I have developed, and I developed this for my first book, Will I Ever Be Good Enough as well, is a five-step recovery model. And um, in this five-step recovery model, it, 
it sort of gives you a roadmap on how to heal when you've been involved in an intimate relationship with a narcissist. So there are five steps that we kind of take people through. Um, now, the children is a little bit different, which I can, I can talk about separately, but um, if I'm really concerned in, in both understanding this as well as the healing, I'm concerned about what I call parental narcissism. Um, and that's really what I talk about in both of my books because my platform is really about how do we help kids, you know. And in that process, yes. as, as you refer to in your introduction as well, which I loved, by the way, um, is if we can't be healthy ourselves, you know, we're not going to be able to be healthy for our kids. Amen. That's, that's absolutely true. And if, I think if we were to dig into the history of the narcissist, we find that there is some compromised parenting or woundedness in their backgrounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't, you know, I'm often asked the question, you know, is this a genetic trait? Why is it passed down through the generations? And, you know, I don't think we have significant enough research to say that there's a genetic link, but we know that it it comes from learned behavior. It comes from unhealthy families. It comes from trauma. And then if, if we don't step in and do our own recovery, you know, and stop it. I, I call it the legacy of distorted love <laughs> that gets passed yes. down through the generations, you know. And honestly, the healing, to put it in a nutshell, is all about learning about empathy. Because if you think about, you know, what is the opposite, the antithesis of narcissism, it's empathy. Because I think the cornerstone of really understanding narcissism is it's a lack of empathy and the inability to tune into the emotional world of others or your children. I'm taking a a pause and a breath here because I think what you said is so powerful. Really, really powerful. You know, that the, um, to apply empathy, it's like to apply love and compassion to those places that hurt. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's interesting because we have to do it for ourselves. You know, learn, learn compassion and kindness and self-love in a healthy way for ourselves and give empathy to that child within us that is wounded if we've been in relationships with narcissists. And then for children, I, you know, I think it's all about empathic parenting. Like, how do we tune in to the emotional welfare of kids and, and do empathy and understanding of what's going on with them before we do anything else, you know? I think that's the key to, to battling this. Um, I agree. I have, I have two children that I have taken on this uh, wild journey with me. And I, I believe that in my own experience that you, you're correct. And it's, um, attending to their needs, leading by positive example, you know, having good interconnected conversation, time spent, um, um, being a good listener, you know, holding that positive regard for them while I might not be able to understand 100% what 
what is going on. You know, if they're not willing to talk, it's just also holding that space. Yes. Yes, and it's it's so easy as a parent, I think, to to just react to the behavior, you know, without really understanding what's behind it. I mean, I think kids act out, have tantrums, act naughty, do things for a reason, and it's usually because they're experiencing some sort of emotion or, or feeling that they don't understand. They don't know what to do with. They haven't learned yet, you know, how to manage it. So it's like their way of telling us. So it becomes our responsibility as parents to help them learn how to do that. So when I talk about healing the wounded child in my book, I'm, I'm giving lots of examples and kind of a roadmap for that for parents. We are going to go to a break, and when we return, I would love to talk about these these kinds of divorces that we're speaking of and, and how and why the narcissist loves this battlefield. So we think when we leave these high-conflict marriages that we're getting out and it's all going to be done, but the games are actually just beginning. To learn more, visit www.carolmcbridephd.com, and that is with a K for Carol. The other website is www www.willieverbegoodenough.com On Facebook, Dr. McBride is at Dr. Carol McBride and on Twitter, Carol McBride. Here come those tunes right back. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Love is in the air, in the whisper of the tree. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. And if you're just tuning in now, now I urge you to download this podcast because we are talking about the possibility that exists in having a good divorce. But more specifically, when we are divorcing from uh, a narcissist, and many of us in the house have been there and done that. With me in the studio today is Dr. Carol McBride. She's written uh, several books, but we're talking specifically about narcissism and divorce and ways to make this less conflicted for the children. Dr. McBride, I want to ask you, what was the passion behind your newest book? What drove you to write this book? 
Thank you for asking that, Lisa. It's um, I I always like to talk about the fact that my platform is about kids and. You know, like we talked earlier, the little ones out there, but also the small wounded child in each of us. And in my practice, I, over many, many years, have seen so many children hurt horribly in these kinds of cases. And also children really harmed emotionally from high-conflict families, you know, who didn't get divorced, who maybe should have. (laughs) But um, two other things... I felt there was a need to debunk an old myth. It's kind of an old myth in the professional world of divorce um, where we're looking at evaluators, judges, therapists, right, who get involved in these. And there's a myth that says that, you know, if these two people are going through this high-conflict divorce and there's lots of filings and we're going back to court again and again and again, that both of these people must be crazy. You know, they must be nuts. How could they do this to their kids? And so a big reason I I did this research and wrote the book is because I think we need to debunk that myth because what we see a lot of times is one narcissistic partner can unilaterally create havoc in the divorce process. And the other... You know, the non-narcissist parent ends up having to stay in the game to protect the emotional welfare of the children. So they're often seen in in a wrong light, which then creates a bunch of misunderstandings, you know. And then third reason is we, we just need more education out there for the same reason. Like, not only for lay people going through these kinds of divorces who don't know what to do because it's so overwhelming, but also more education for the mental health field, the family law world, the court system, and the judges. I agree. The the judges in particular, I think the judges, um, you know, they they are so overloaded. The courtrooms, the family court is overloaded, and the judges handle these cases for only a brief period of time, the individual cases, and they do not necessarily read between the lines. It's not their job. They don't have the time for it, but in many cases, there is one partner that is the one who is stirring up the dust. Yes. Yes, and You know, what the judges will tell you, I interviewed many judges for this book, is they, it's, they can't tell. You know, oftentimes they don't, they're not able to tell until after many, many court hearings or until the children start to vote with their feet and just say, I'm not doing this anymore. Or, you know, but by then the damage is done. So we need a different way to do things. Yeah. And um, let's talk a little bit about, setting boundaries with a narcissist because I think this is a good place to start especially for for the meek who need to learn how to do it anyway yes setting boundaries you know is something I think people as they mature in life have to learn how to do in general it's a good mental health thing to learn how to do for everyone but because narcissists don't really have boundaries themselves um, they're very hard to set boundaries with you know, and I think, you know, I always say the, the best way to set a boundary is to stick to it. <laughs> um, but a boundary is simply drawing a line in the sand. You know, this is what I will do. This is what I won't do. 
and to learn after you do your own recovery work so you're not as reactive, you learn how to do that in a polite manner, you know, so it doesn't have to be hostile. It doesn't have to be angry. And you learn how to walk away from some battles, how to pick your battles, but um, setting boundaries is is crucial for co-parenting after the divorce. Yes, and I, 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 the, the setting boundaries is important, and also how the one parent treats the other. So if you've got a, a, a narcissist ex-spouse, it is important in the children's eyes that the a less narcissistic spouse, if you will, treats the other with dignity, with respect, um, and with kindness, even though they might not be feeling those things for the other person. That's so true and so important because that is their role model. You know, they have two role models here, one who's not doing it right, (laughs) and then the other double-duty parent who has to, you know, model what is right. And you know, I think co-parenting with a narcissist, you, you have to use very clear communication, you know, using I statements, um, not you or you made me this or you're making me feel this. It's I'm feeling, this is what I need. I think also um, understanding, and I talk about this a lot in the book, how narcissists project their, whatever's going on inside of them, they're not in touch with not really in touch with their own feelings. So they project that onto other people. And that's why it's so kind of crazy-making and people take it personally and they don't know what to do with it. So really being able to understand how projection works, I think, is important. And I think you learn eventually, working with narcissists, that you, you don't justify or explain your actions anymore. It's just, this is what I'm doing, period. <laughs> And, yeah. and I don't know. And like you said, be accountable. Like you have to model for your kids. So the narcissist is going to not be accountable. They're going to blame everyone else for everything. So you have to model accountability for your kids when you mess up or you do something you wish you had handled better. And, and you know, it's interesting. Um, my children in particular, they're older. I have late teenagers and one is about to go off to college next year. And uh, I'm at a place in our relationship and just their ages where we really can talk about this kind of stuff. And I say to them, you know, one of the things that is so important is you have two parents. And even though the other parent is challenging and has some issues it's really important that you find a way to have some kind of relationship with this person because he loves you. Yes. Yes. And, and you know, the kids will end up coming to you, the non-narcissist, saying, oh, my gosh, you can't believe what happened today. You can't believe what my other parent did. And I think um, handling it in such a way that you, you're validating their experience you're validating their feelings, but the fine line is you're not disparaging the other parent. And then you're telling the child, it's, but it is important, like you said, your father loves you. It is important that you take this back and learn how to talk to him or her about this. 
Yes, because that's how they learn to be in relationship. And that's my biggest concern. And anybody out there who's been married to a narcissist, I think that it's important to understand that the children learn how to connect the world, you know, through these primary relationships. And when something is goes horribly wrong, we have to really pay attention. Yeah. So we don't end up repeating the cycle. That's right. Stopping the legacy of distorted love. That's what it is. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You know, one other thing I want to get out there, this is kind of a plug for um, our family wizard. Have you heard of that, Lisa? No, but do share, Dr. McBride. Um, It's, uh, we just learned about this, you know, while I was writing the book, and lots of our uh, clients now are using it who are going through these difficult divorces, but it's an online communication program that you use with your ex called Our Family Wizard, and it's just wonderful. I mean, everything is documented, and, you know, there's all these trails of emails and all these documents and stuff that people are constantly having to gather and keep track of, and you said this, and you said that, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do that. Well, the Family Wizard just documents everything in one spot. I mean, it's just... I see it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't even know who invented it, but they were brilliant, whoever they are. <laughs> I, I do see it. I'm, I'm on their website right now, and they do offer. Uh, it's, it is, it's a one-stop shopping place for um, co-parenting, and it's, um, it looks very, very interesting. So you're, um, in your experience, your clientele is using this with great results. Very, very, yes. You know, I was talking with a a psychologist the other day, a child psychologist, and he was telling me about um, new programming that is being implemented in a couple of courts in a couple of states right now about um, mandatory reunification weekends, where when there are these high-conflict situations, they're actually bringing the families together, the mom, the dad, the children, a counselor for each one, and a mediator to really take the the parents through a proper uh, reunification process with the child when there's been alienation specifically, which in many of these cases that we're talking about, there's a ton Mm -hmm. of alienation going on. Mm Yes. Yes. There can be alienation, there can be false allegations, there can be all kinds of problems. Um, and I'm glad to hear that. I, I am, um, I'm glad to hear that, you know, work is being done out there. I, at the end of my book, Will I Ever Be Free of You?, I, I do propose a court reform program as well. And I really think, you know, the gist of it without, I mean, I can't really get into it in detail here, but... The gist of it is we need a therapeutic approach versus a court approach, you know, yeah. where everybody is getting their, their therapy on how to deal with this. And then ultimately you can bring the system back together in some kind of healthy therapeutic manner. Otherwise, you know, as we talked earlier, the narcissist loves the battlefield and loves to win. And what better place, you know, than that courtroom to bring out, I mean, you can just imagine the courtroom becomes this theatrical stage for their grandiosity and performing, you know. And they Indeed it does. Who like that too, you know, the attack dogs are out there, so the battles go on and on. So, 
Yes, I, I agree. We need to have some different approaches, and we're certainly working on that here in Colorado as well. The latest book is Will I Ever Be Free of You by Dr. Carol McBride, and that's with a K. Uh, to learn more, please visit www.carolmcbridephd.com, on Facebook, Dr. Carol McBride, and that's with a K, and on Twitter, Carol McBride. Dr. McBride, thank you for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Thank you, Lisa. I enjoyed talking to you. Likewise. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joy riding the coast with a global vibe, pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Joy riding the coast with me, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Saturdays, 2 to 5, on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about narcissism a little bit. We're talking about the good divorce, if there is such a thing, which I believe there can be such a thing. Um, And in the studio now, we are talking with Angie Hallier. She is a partner with Hallier and Lawrence. She's a fellow of the American Academy of Matrimonial Attorneys, a certified law specialist, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, Judge Pro Tempore, but she'll correct me when she comes on. The last seven years, Angie has been designated a super lawyer by superlawyers.com, which is a rating service of outstanding lawyers who have attained a high degree of peer recognition and professional achievement. Martindale Hubble has given her an AV rating, the highest competency and ethical rating given. Angie's firm, Hallier and Lawrence, is dedicated solely to family law matters, including litigation, mediation, collaborative divorce, and arbitration. She is the author of The Wiser Divorce, Positive Strategies for Your Next Best Life, and has appeared on CNN, 
Fox News, The Dr. Drew Show, and The Better Show. <clears throat> Ooh, I have a little bit of a frog in my throat this morning. Excuse me. She is also the founder of Angie's Angels, a community workforce made up of attorneys and staff of the firm. Twice a year, they close their office, and she'll tell us a little bit more about this, and perform selected nonprofit service in her area. And by the way, I have been reading this book, The Wiser Divorce, and there are some incredible strategies that I'm going to talk about with Angie. Welcome. Hi, Lisa. So great to be talking to you today. Oh, well, great to have you here because I am, I've recently gone through a divorce. In fact, I'm still going through a divorce. It's the gift that keeps on giving um, for some of us. And I am really intrigued by some of the elements that you talk about in your book. So let's, let's just jump right in and talk about the elements of a strategic divorce. Yes, the elements of a strategic divorce include really being honest and respectful in your communications, staying out of court, having early in-person meetings between you and your soon-to-be ex and the attorneys if they're involved. I think of it as a, a series of board meetings. Um, and always putting your kids first. If you do those things, then you will start to be really strategic in your divorce. You know, I, I will tell you that I... Um was in a long-term marriage, and I have bifurcated my, my divorce. And so we, we are legally no longer married, but the finances are something that linger on. And one of the things that I think has made um, the divorce process successful for both of us, even though we you know really don't really care about being in each other's space anymore, is we focused on the children, on keeping the children's priorities number one. And I believe that that has helped. And I think this is extremely helpful and constructive uh, for our listeners to know about. Yes. Um, why is it so important to resist the lure? The lure, because it is very alluring to go to that negative place when you go through a divorce. Right. Well, as you know, going through this, some of these decisions you're making during your divorce are some of the most important decisions you will make in your whole life. And so if you're making those decisions through a cloud of emotion, you're really not focusing on the future. And that's really what a good divorce is all about. You're not focusing on, you know, the, the angst and the revenge feelings. You're focusing on how you're, you're going to live your best life after the divorce. And it's really difficult to do that if you walk around every day feeling negative or being angry or doing things, saying things or acting in a way that are emotional rather than strategic. I agree with you. Uh, you know, m many people who go through a divorce use the divorce process as part of their therapeutic healing, and it's not. The divorce process is administrative. So if we can keep our emotions out of that administrative process and treat it more like a heartfelt business transaction, I believe that everybody will come out in a better position. Absolutely agree. And part of that has to do with who you choose to surround yourself with during your divorce. I mean, choosing the right attorney who's not going to be the warmonger, who's not going to um, encourage you to badmouth your soon-to-be ex, who isn't going to badmouth your soon-to-be ex, who will be your counselor or your therapist, or even friends or family that you surround yourself with. Of course, you're going to have those confidants that you have to just pour your soul out to and, you know, will hold your hand when you just feel miserable. But really, you want to surround yourself with people who are cheering you on to that next great part of your life because as you probably know there are amazing things that can happen in your life once you get out of a, of a marriage that wasn't fulfilling your soul 
Amen. You know, it's like the get out of jail card in Monopoly. Once you decide to go and you pull the card, you know, better to stay facing forward and get out of there and get out of there in a good way. Exactly. And you don't want to wake up at the end of your divorce just having been in a fog and wondering what what has happened to you. You want to be totally conscious and, and act with clarity as you move through it. So you're ready for that great life you're going to have. Um, you talk about getting the most out of uh, your attorney-client relationship, and I think that this is an essential element. Before we embark on the divorce process as soon-to-be exes, it really is incumbent upon us to do our homework and select wisely. What are some elements that you can suggest for for finding an attorney, um, a good attorney, that's combat- compatible with our style and our goals? Well, you really should interview more than one attorney, even if the first one you see you think you like, because attorneys have distinctly different styles, just like we all do as humans. This is going to be your guide. This is someone who you will need to listen to. So you have to absolutely feel comfortable. If you come out of a meeting feeling your questions weren't answered or your questions were stupid questions or that this person isn't going to have your back, that's the wrong attorney for you. And again, watch out for those that kind of just say, okay, we're going to get that person. We're going to get them. That's not who you want either. You want someone who will help you set your goals. It's extremely important. Set your goals, help you um, achieve reasonable goals, and be the strategist for helping you achieve that. You say something extremely important about identifying goals, make them reasonable goals, set your expectations to a place that really are manageable because if your ex, um, you know, you believe him or her to have more assets than they really do or you more entitlements than you really have, it's a recipe for disaster and disappointment. It is, and that's why it's important early on in working with your attorney to make a list of every question you want answered. Now, some of those questions you want answered may not matter and may cost you money, and your attorney will tell you that, but you want to have your questions answered, and then once all those questions are answered, listen to your attorney about what the likely outcome is if you proceed to trial. Now, of course, we don't want you to proceed to trial, but if you must, what are the likely outcomes? Well, you talk about going to trial. In my eyes, a great attorney is one who prevents litigation. Absolutely. Those are the best attorneys. They're attorneys who, if they need to go to court, will do a good job. But they're attorneys who will mediate, attorneys trained in collaborative divorce, attorneys who will arbitrate. Because good attorneys do know what the likely outcome is going to be at court. And they can tell you where the sweet spots are for settling. And they, good attorneys also help you prioritize your goals. Not every issue has the same value to a client. So it's really important to work with your attorney and let them know what is most important to you so they can prioritize that in the settlement negotiations. Let's chat for a moment about the collaborative divorce because I just heard you talk about that. And I want to say that it is, um, for me, one of the best processes that I've ever been through. The collaborative divorce process is the best because it brings together a team of experts that are the type of experts you need in your divorce, but unfortunately many times just your attorney serves that role. Each person has a divorce coach. Each person has a divorce attorney. You have a financial financial expert who's a neutral and a child specialist. 
And you commit in the process not to go to court. You commit that you will resolve all your issues in that team setting and that if you choose to go to court, if one of you drops out of collaborative, you can't use those people. These cases are satisfying. Studies show people return to court less. Studies show that through the use of coaches, that they are better parents in the future. But and in every state, there are collaborative practitioners. They are specifically trained in this process. Not everybody does it. And the spirit of a collaborative divorcee, I think, is very interesting. I mean, it, 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 it shows um, an integrity level and a, and a direction that is very, very positive, proactive, and the children reap the benefits of this process. Oh, they absolutely do. I mean, this is, you have the finest people at your table helping you go through the process. I've been in collaboratives where people are hugging at the end. And I mean, I'm hugging my client soon to be X because you feel like it was such a success, such a life success for everyone involved. And really, that is how we have to start looking at divorce. We are doing it so wrong and we're hurting our children. And it's a grown up way. It's a, um, a sophisticated, if you will, way of doing divorce. Evolved. It's for the evolved. It is for the evolved, and it's very forward-facing. You know, it's very optimistic. It, it it holds positive things for the future, for the family, which may not be a family living under the same roof, but for all intents and purposes, still remain a family. Absolutely. You know, if you have children, you will be at potentially birthday parties, graduations, you'll be grandparents together potentially someday. And really the tone you set during your divorce is the tone that's going to carry out and will have a significant impact on your children's future. We are going to go to a break and when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Angie Hallier of the firm Hallier and Lawrence. She is the author of a wonderful new book called The Wiser Divorce, Positive Strategies for Your Next Best Life. To learn more, please visit HallierLaw.com. On Facebook, Angie Hallier. And on Twitter, the handle is Angie Hallier. Here from those tunes right now. like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. 
Have a grateful day. Wow. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. So good. So good. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about the good divorce with Angie. Hallier. And I stand to be corrected because I should have thought that it would have been pronounced the French way. And I, I, I Americanized it and I apologize. So we are speaking with Angie Hallier and she is a, an attorney with HallierLaw.com. And we're talking about her new book, The Wiser Divorce. And prior to the break, we, we were talking about the collaborative divorce process and how successful it can be for those who really want to look forward in a proactive way and disengage from their marriages with grace. So, Angie, let's talk a little bit about um, some other areas uh, uh, of the of the good divorce and what it really means when we get to court and why we really must avoid it at all costs. Well, you know, people have this idea maybe from TV or movies that there is this supreme commander of justice sitting on the bench in that robe who will declare good and evil for everyone. And it doesn't work that way. This is just a human with with their own set of biases, just like everybody else. They won't think your case is special. Some of them are really good at their job and some judges aren't. And they are limited in what they can do for you. They cannot be creative. They may think you deserve something, but the law may tell them they can't give that to you. So number one, you are putting your life in the hands of someone, um, which actually results in a huge risk. And going to court is so expensive. You're taking all this money you could have for your next best life and spending it on litigation. And it's very expensive. Going to court is thousands of dollars each time you show up for each side. It's Or tens of thousands of dollars, or some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it may not be done when the judge rules, because if one side doesn't like what the judge decided, then you could have appeals that could go on for years. Indeed. Um, let's chat about children and divorce, about the next best life, because I think this is the most important, uh, the goal. It is. You know, first of all, the statistics are staggering that of every child born this year in the United States, one out of the two children born will experience their parents' divorce before they're 18. And, you know, it's not divorce that ruins children. It's the way the parents act. The level of conflict children experience as they're going through divorce is the number one predictor of how they will function as adults emotionally, employment-wise, and so on. So it's critical that we get this right with the kids. And, you know, most parents would step in front of a bus to protect their children. But when it comes to divorce and their own emotions are getting the best of them, they forget how to protect their children. And protecting the kids is the goal. I will tell you, I have witnessed parental alienation in um, amongst friends, where in in one case I'm thinking of the the wife is the one who has been the alienator, and there are two two daughters involved, and these children are really getting the worst end of the stick because they're they're learning from their mom 
how to be in relationship, which is not a positive role model. They're alienated from their dad who provides them the goodness that um, could be gotten from a, a father-daughter relationship. And everybody's missing out. It's so sad. It, it is so sad because, again, science and studies show us that children function best when they have both mom and dad working together in their lives when they have that exposure. And, you know, people sometimes are doing things that are representative of alienating behavior and they don't even realize it. I mean, it's the subtle things, too, that can cause that estrangement. Things like letting the child um, accidentally stumble upon your emails to a friend about how horrible the other parent is. Or even little things like you're at school and another parent says, can your child do a play date? And right in front of your child, you say, no, she has to go to her dad's this weekend. I mean, those subtle messages really are heard by the children. They are. And they, they are heartbreaking. And I, I, I just have a, a couple words of advice. Grow up, mom and dad. Grow right. up. Because you're not thinking of your children. You're thinking of yourself. So all those people that say to me when they come in my office, I want to put my children first, I will put my children first, then you have to really walk the walk and you have to be really aware of the parenting skills, those extra parenting skills you need when you go through a divorce. Yep. And I, in my case, my ex and I, I mean, our children are older, they're late teens, and I have no love loss for the guy. You know, if I still loved him, I'd still be married to him. But my kids need to have a relationship with him. And I always tell the kids that I said, look, you need to, you need to have a relationship. This is really important because this, it, this is the marker of how you will be in your relationships with your, with your partners, with your spouses, how you will parent. And it's important. This person loves you, even though we might not love each other anymore. He loves you. Well, you know what? You're doing exactly what you should do. And people have to remember when they took on the responsibility of making this child, they took on the serious responsibility of ensuring a happy, healthy child and a happy, healthy adult. And I will tell you, those things stick with kids. I mean, I got divorced when my daughter was two and she's 31 now and she still remembers a mistake. I made a horrible mistake when I was very young and poor and I needed child support and he wasn't paying it. And he came, he lived out of town and he came to town for dinner and I sent her with the papers to serve him with for child support. And I rue that day and you know she remembers that. Ouch. Ouch. Mm -hmm. But it happens, you know. We, we're not we, perfect. We're not perfect. And, and you, my guess is that you quickly remedied that moving forward in your life and the counsel that you, that you give your clients of a what not to do, right? <laughs> Exactly. So you know what? Even if you make a mistake in your divorce with your kids, you don't have to keep making them. True. You give some wonderful reasons why clients file for divorce. And this is not a show about the psychology of divorce, but maybe there's a little bit to it. And I would love for you to share some of those points because when one is contemplating making a very important step such as this, um, we need to make sure we're doing it for the right reasons, not because we are bored or have grown, you know, uh, uh, uninterested. Well, that, that's very true. And one of those reasons is what we were just talking about is that the conflict during the in the marriage is affecting the kids because conflict in the marriage is just as bad as conflict in divorce. You know, another reason is if there's, um, physical or emotional abuse, that's very serious and people have to get out of that to live, to live a happy life or, um, drug addiction, 
alcohol addiction, if you have an active addict that you're married to and they will not seek help, there comes a point that you have to leave. Yeah. yeah. You give another one that I think is terrific, that the family is headed towards financial ruin if a spouse mm-hmm. doesn't stop doing whatever he or she is doing. This is huge. Yes. And, you know, sometimes that you have to look at your financial future. It's, it's, it's the same as being abused in a way. If you are going to hit financial ruin because the spouse won't stop what they're doing, you've got to save, save yourself and your future and your kid's future. Because unfortunately, in community property states, the, the deeds of the spouse that is uh, doing the risky financial behavior permeates over to the, to the spouse. Right. I mean, and especially if you know about it, I mean, there's circumstances where if you don't know the money's being spent and you find out later, maybe there is a way to recoup some of that in in a equalization of assets. But if you are well aware of what they're doing, nobody's going to give you that money back later. Yeah. So betrayal is another item, which we all are aware of that. So hard to get over. I mean, you know, that that is really a breach of trust. And if that's the reason you divorce, you have to be really careful to not let that feeling of betrayal infiltrate everything you do in your divorce. And you can't define your entire marriage by that one act. But that's a really tough one. You know, other ones are if you just go home every night with a pit in your stomach. You know, I asked many clients, like when you drive home at night, do you get, you know, start to feel sick as you drive into the driveway? If that's your feeling, you've tried counseling or your spouse won't go, it's probably time. And how about goals in life or goals for the children simply cannot be realized by staying in that marriage? True. I mean, one of the goals could be you want them to see a healthy marriage. Another goal would be that you have a child who's who's gifted at an extracurricular activity. Maybe it's dance, maybe it's soccer, but your other spouse, the other spouse won't let them do it. Those kind of things are even for yourself. I mean, I had a a woman who just all she wanted to be her whole life was a fashion designer. And her husband said, no, you won't be that. Um, But I'm happy to say she's divorced and she's a fashion designer now. Good to know. Good to know. We are out of time. And I want to thank Angie Hallier for being with us today. To learn more, please visit HallierLaw.com or AngieHallier.com. On Facebook, the handle is Angie Hallier. And on Twitter, as well. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. Happiness cannot be bought, sold, or traded. It will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my wonderful guests today, Dr. Carol McBride and Angie Hallier, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And we want to give a shout out of thanks to our producers who make us shine each and every week. We thank and appreciate you. Go out and make it a great day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on Toginet Radio. 
Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the Toginet Radio Network.